Hi, and welcome to What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner podcast, where we speak to adult migrant learners about their English language journey and discover the trials and triumphs of learning a new language and assimilating to the Australian way of life. I'm your host, Emma Omran. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to their elders past and present. I also extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hi everyone and welcome to Series 2, Episode 4 of What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner. In this episode, we chat to Branka. Branka comes from a teaching background. When she arrived in Australia, she enrolled in various courses and worked her way up to managerial positions in the adult literacy sector. Branka's story resonates with each and every one of us and inspires courage and hope. We speak to a different cohort of people in Series 3, so listen out for more eclectic stories coming your way in the next few months. But for now, here's Branka. I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of Series 2 of What the English. Tell me a little bit about your journey here to Australia. I came from former Yugoslavia in uh, 1994 as a refugee from Bosnia. I came here uh, with my family. Back then, there were two girls and my husband, and we came on a humanitarian program. We were fortunate enough to have a family here who uh, sponsored us to come, as well as help us in those first couple of months to settle and to navigate through Australian system. Were you fluent? Uh, not at all, Amma. I had no idea. Oh, okay. Oh, see, look at that. Never, never assume. I thought that maybe you were fluent already. I mean, we're exposed to English through music and movies, but I was not that lucky. I wasn't in a class at school, at high school and primary school uh, with kids who learned English. I was in class where we were learning Russian and French. <laughs> so, bad luck. Oh, okay. I couldn't do anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it anyway. So, uh, my first experience, proper uh, practical experience with English was on a plane <laughs> when I had to order food and I had no English at all. The only word that I understood was a sandwich because it's okay. <laughs> And that's important. My first experience was just doing the 510 hours of English program, but uh, we came with a young family. The girls were very young. One was a year and a half and the other one was three and a half. So we had to juggle as we didn't have them both in childcare. So uh, my husband would go to school in the morning and I'll do the afternoon classes or the other way around, depending on our language levels and classes uh, schedule. So, yeah, my first English test was zero plus. Uh, so that was my assessment, Amma, <laughs> which I was very proud because we came in March and in April we started with English classes and from March to April, I uh, learned a couple of sentences that I could put in writing on my assessment. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I remember we had a conversation um, a while back about your circumstances, like upon arrival. I remember you mentioned something about suitcases or luggage or just some of some of the you know struggles or how you overcame adversity. Is there like a specific thing? Probably my, my sentence was uh, coming to Australia with two bags and two children. That's the and thing. The That's thing. the one that what you said. All yes, <laughs> our belongings and all our asset that we had. So um, yeah. really lost everything, and it was not easy. But as I mentioned before, having a family to stay with, uh, share you know apartment and start slowly to build up. Uh, it was a huge uh, challenge just from that first day, actually, where. You know, you don't know what's ahead of you and how you are going to cope with and not knowing the language, um, not being financially, you know, secured to be independent and to just uh, be comfortable was uh, was was a bit of a challenge. However, as I said, having somebody to support you, as I said, we had family to stay with, was very tight, two-bedroom apartment with Four adults and two young children. Oh, really? Yeah, we managed, we managed. And uh, we prioritized language as our first goal to get to to work on, which was not easy. No matter how much you try hard, you're dealing with other problems. Uh, you, you think about family overseas. It was still um, wartime and you think of family who you left behind. But uh, that is one thing. And on the other side, you think of your children and the future here and how do you start and where do you start? Yes, yes. And on the top of it, you think, okay, I have to study English. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. So when you were studying, you were staying with family. So what happened after that in terms of your your next few steps like with finding work and all of that? I, I did my first two, uh, a year and a half of it, which I really wanted to work on as much as possible. And then I, I tested myself, and let's say, to en- enroll into something else, not just English. So I, I enrolled in certificate two in office administration, something. So just to be with Okay. With a young. That's so good. I didn't know. I didn't know that you did that. That's awesome. They were all young kids in their early twenties, and I became friends with them because I just wanted to listen to their pronunciation (laughs) and to learn English from them. And I couldn't catch on day one. I couldn't catch uh, a word because they were speaking so fast, so quickly. And um, I think it helped me in a way. <laughs> I finished that certificate successfully. And then I had my son here. Uh, and I didn't want to stay in a house with a baby. My oldest started prep and I put my hand up. I was brave enough because my background is in teaching. So yeah. I wanted to volunteer at school. And that was my way just to see how Australian education system works and uh, to test if I see myself in there as well. Yeah. It was also for me a way of learning language as well because kids would see the, the books, the small prep books, where one picture, one word, and then maybe a small sentence, short sentence and all. 
so it was, I think, both benefited from it, kids as well as myself. <laughs> that was my volunteering as a part of get around and see how the things are working. And my next step after that was there was a job ad- advertised at Nova Park English Language School. And at that time, there was a huge influx of migrants from former Yugoslavia. And I went for an interview. Maybe they okay. saw that I was, a, I was a teacher, I'm volunteering. Maybe that's what appealed to them. And God, that was my first experience with work, I mean, the interview. I was <laughs> yeah, horrified. that's so good. Good on you. I was horrified. They all had questions for me. And I remember when asking me, what, what will I bring into this role if I get a job? That was like, what? Yeah, what did you say? What was your answer? I said, oh, well, I'll bring my smile. Oh, that is so you, Branka, yes. They all yes, laughed. that's beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, and it was my first experience in Australian workplace, which was really good, a bit different. I supported the teachers, but at the same time, uh, you're learning the Australian workplace culture as well, which was different to what I was used to back in, in Yugoslavia and in Bosnia, especially in the classroom. So I actually, I liked, uh, and I, I always have passion for education. Even now, if you ask me if I had a choice, what would I choose if you reverse back to 18 to 20 and I would again go into education and be a teacher that's just me so yeah well with I have to agree with you on that one like if that was me as well hands down without any hesitation I would always say teacher yeah I've been saying that since I was five years old yeah apparently my parents used to tell me that every time they used to pick me up from kinder the teachers would go oh your daughter she's so bossy Oh, she's always bossing all the other kids around. And I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> in grade one, I have two older brothers and two younger. And my, my oldest brother started school and I wanted to go with him to school. And I was two years younger, but because the school was local, they let me just go in. They didn't enroll me, but I went until the huge snowfall that I couldn't walk anymore. So I stopped, <laughs> dropped, dropped out of school. But by the time my time came to start school, I knew all alphabet. I could read and write. And so my teacher, she would put me in charge of some children. <laughs> yeah. I was so important. And I think that's when it started. In grade one, I already knew I'm going to be a teacher. A teacher, exactly, because that's the thing. I used to always gather all the kids around and start reading books and I would be the one instructing them to do things. Oh, do this, go over here, this group here, these two go over there. All the teachers are like, your daughter's, you know, she's she's a bit much. <laughs> but no, it's it's a passion too. Like it's part of you almost, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I really love languages and it's my educational background as well. I always try to find through languages, rules, exceptions, links, uh, and not shortcuts because there is no shortcut in learning a language. 
but try yeah. to find good way, uh, easy way to learn rules and how language works, which took some time. Yeah. With you having that experience, you know, coming here and, and going through that hardship and starting off with not knowing the language and then you've delved into this field teaching adults English and as you know with teaching adults you know they come with their own experiences they have a specific set of skills as you did so do you feel that you really relate quite well to them being their teacher there must be a lot of benefit in that i think so too when you share your story with them when they find out that you were in their shoes as well and then where yes. you are now, they see that as a motivation. Yep. And it took me a long time to get to go to university and do my postgraduate in order to teach in Australia, but I didn't give up. You know, it took courage to gain that confidence on the top of, you know, bringing up your family and dealing with all daily life and issues. But when you go into the classroom, and being there first when you go through the pre-training, when you do those interviews with the students uh, and they tell you their stories and you can relate to them because you've been there as well. And then once you start sharing your story, I think it gives them courage. They may think that everything is dark and there is yes. no hope. Yes, you're giving them hope. Essentially, just through sharing your story, you're giving them hope. Yes, yeah. In a way also, uh, you gain their trust. You share those jokes and those anecdotal <laughs> stories <laughs> that relate to, uh, you know, going into a shop and struggling to express and explain what you want to buy. And I'll, I'll give you this. I'll share this with you, Ama. Yes, please. It was still true at that time when I was still learning English. And, you know, I, as I said to you, I like the rules. And number four, F-O-U-R, yep, four. Flour, to make a bread or to make pancakes. It's F-L-O, isn't it? O-U-R again. And you think yes. number four is four, then flour should be floor. <laughs> yeah. Because O-U-R in both cases. Yes. So I went to... Uh, a milk bar next to the apartment where we live. Then I said, can I have a kilogram of flour? And, and poor yeah. old, old elderly Greek uh, milk owner, he goes, no love, flour is this. And he's pointing at the floor. I said, uh-huh. and he goes, you want flour? Flour is in the garden. I don't want yeah. flour. Yeah. <laughs> he gave up. I think he lost patience when I was trying to convince him that Flow is what you make bread. <laughs> and this is why I've called the podcast What the English? <laughs> but he walked out from behind the counter. Come here, lad. And he picked that packet of one kilogram of flour. And he said, Is this it? And I said, Yes. And he said, This is flour. Oh. <laughs> okay, so flour and flour and both the English, Shama. Yeah. So yeah, share those stories with the students. And that was, for example, that is language tricky things about English. But in a workplace, 
I also, not at the one that I mentioned before, but later when I was studying, I was just doing just other jobs just to support family. And body language that we use, um, if we don't understand Australian culture, the way we communicate, whether it's verbal or body language, how can it impact uh, those around you? So uh, my gesture was seen with my hand where I was saying that something was fine, but the way that I put my hand was interpreted as get lost. So I got in trouble. So many things that we migrants face when we come to to a new country. So um, I think um, having that experience in my language learning journey as well as employment uh, experiences and then sharing, going back to a classroom and sharing it with the students, I think it's very important as a way of encouragement and as a way that, yes, you can do it. Yes, you can achieve your dreams or whatever goals you set up. Exactly. Language, yes, initially is a barrier, but it can be overcome. That's perfectly said. Yeah, thank you, Branka. Yeah, definitely. People come to Australia with so many knowledge and skills and talent. Exactly. Because language is stopping them to express it, to prove it, to show to others. It's a pity in a way that people are scared to show us what what they know. Uh, In our classrooms sometimes, just through informal conversation, yes, we do have set curriculum, but there is that opportunity of flexible uh, content. And that's where you can touch base on anything and then that can lead to them to open up about the skills and knowledge that they bring with them. Exactly, exactly. I used to play basketball and uh, I volunteered in primary school where I currently live and my kids all were in primary school. And I started volunteering at lunchtime to teach kids basketball. And then we Great. All locally we won within the council. We went uh, number one, and then we went to regional. We won a regional, and then we went into state championship. See, that's wow. it's not just about um, you know it's a work. People are coming with so many different skills. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, we yeah. Give them that opportunity. Encourage them. Exactly. That's uh, right. That's right. And I think the other thing is that fear. Like I know that a lot of them are quite scared. Like you said, um, a lot of them I think also have this this fear of making a mistake. Yes. And like you said, with the classroom and informal conversation, I had a lot of students that would always say to me, I don't want to say anything because I'll be laughed at. Yes. Or someone's going to tease me about a certain thing or I can't pronounce this properly. And so it does start there. It does start in the classroom. If they feel that it's safe and, you know, completely open for you to make errors and that's why they're here, they should know that no one's perfect. We all make mistakes. It's the beginning, you know, and the teacher does help, of course. The teacher is there as a role model and, like you said, to encourage them to just speak freely, it has to start somewhere. If they don't start talking, you know, with their classmates and with the teacher and then they're embarrassed to do it outside when they're going out or going shopping or with their neighbours, they're going to stagnate. They're never going to be able to 
to move forward? I think trust really the first place where they should gain their confidence. Exactly, yes. And yep. then from there is, you know, the phone call that you make, your next-door neighbour that you uh, greet and you share a plate of food if it's your special occasion. And then it's your kids' teachers um, or other parents at school. So it's just that first step is the classroom, which is really crucial, I think, um, just to gain that first confidence and that encouragement and a little bit of push. Yeah. yeah. They need that push to say there is nothing wrong. If you say it wrong, it's not seen as, oh, my God, I'm not going to say it again because somebody is going to laugh at me. Everyone makes mistakes and just move forward. Learn from that mistake as I did from flower and floor. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. I know that you've already touched on very important words there. You know, you've used encouragement and being brave and all those things that you need to overcome obstacles and things that are quite challenging in life. But if you did have three specific words to help motivate a student or someone that wants to achieve specific goals, what would those three words be? Never give up. Great. <laughs> you know, just uh, believe in yourselves or just, yeah, have faith in you. Nobody's perfect. So there are so many and I'm just talking from my experience through all those years and, and that journey from just from leaving the country, coming here, facing all different turmoils in my life, but I never gave up. And I think that's what we should be, just follow the dreams and you will achieve your goals and your dreams. Yeah, that is so true. I completely agree with that, Brank. And I was just going to say there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. I think we just need to take it one step at a time. There's nothing really more than we can do other than that. Take it a day at a time, take it a step at a time. Otherwise, it just gets too overwhelming. We should never give up. I think even whatever challenge we come across with, we should just learn from it. We should just face it. Face it and learn. Even a tiny bit of it that is a learning experience that we can take from, that we learn something new. And I always ask, even with COVID, I would just say, look at how much educated we are now. Who would think how many learning <laughs> platforms? <laughs> exactly. And ways to communicate. We all now know about uh, Snapchat, Viber, Skype, Zoom, house party. Isn't it great? It's great. I mean, I agree. It's so true. I was just going to say, just so that everyone knows, all of you guys who are listening out there, I'm actually interviewing Branka on a different platform, not Zoom, but on a different platform online as well. So, you know, there's no way I can see her. So um, if you do think that, you know, the sound quality isn't so good, I mean, hopefully through editing, we can do something about it. But, you know, this is the reason why it's because we're doing the interview online. So uh, yeah, you're but right. No matter how uh, far we are, distance wise, the digital literacy and all this possible platforms have brought the world so close. Close together, yep. And the world is so small now. 
at any point yeah. you see people's faces. So I think, again, from COVID, uh, we can draw this as a good learning experience, which is very beneficial, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Regardless how other things we're facing with it. Thank you so much, Branka, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. But before we finish up, there's just one more question I've been asking all my guests in this second series. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom means a lot. Um, It's that ability to engage, ability to live the way you want it, in a way that best suits individuals from which I believe also in language and communication and becomes part of as well. But I think I would just summarize it as um, expressing yourself and your needs in a way that resonates with others is my way of saying freedom. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. No, thank you so much, Branka, for your time. And I'm sure that a lot of people out there listening to your story will definitely get a lot out of it. And I'm so happy that you've come on board to be a part of it. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yes, uh, I can just tell everyone uh, it's small steps that count. And as I said to you, from zero plus level in English to volunteer, to uh, become a teacher, to become a coordinator, to become a basketball coach, everything is possible. It's just, it doesn't all come at once. It takes time and uh, just go for it. That's great. That's an excellent way to end. Thank you so much, Branka. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner. Produced by Martin Franklin East Coast Studio. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your network.